0: Thanks for tuning in to Solving for B, your podcast for all things branding and marketing. This week, our experts break down sustainability reporting and how it can impact your brand. So sit back and enjoy this week's edition of Solving for B. Hi there, and welcome into the Solving for B podcast. In today's episode, we're going to discuss ESG reporting. So what is an ESG report, and why are they important to your brand? And to help me answer these questions, I'm joined by President and CEO, Bo Bode. What's up, Chris? Brand strategist, Leslie Rainwater. Hey, Chris. And making her podcast debut, web strategist and guru of digital ESG reports, Leanne Bishop. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today, guys. Um, Now, let's set the baseline for the episode and start off by defining what exactly is an ESG report?
1: Uh, Well... An ESG report is not an annual report. An ESG report is reporting on your environmental data, your social data, um, your economic and governance data, so uh, best practices, supply chain management, that sort of thing. Um, An ESG report is a little bit more malleable. Or flexible. I mean, you can report on what you deem worthy of reporting on. It's not like a financial report where you have strict guidelines that you have to adhere to for government regulations or what have you, especially if you're a publicly traded company. I mean, you have a set thing that you do there. Um, So ESG is a little bit more uh, something that you can frame or something that you can make your own. And it's really about what data you have and what you're doing. It, it's all about your business, right?
0: Yeah, and and one of the things you mentioned is you know annual reports have um, these you know standards you have to show these things legally you're required to. Uh, there's no legal requirements for these uh these ESG reports, excuse me. Um, but we did uncover that there is a, um, a DSASB, uh, which was founded in 2011, that did put some sort of uh, parameters around what should be covered in, um, in ESG reports. Leslie, I, b- I believe you, you know, know a little bit more about that. So can you tell us about the SASB? and?
2: Sure. It's Sustainability Account- Accounting Standards Board. Um, and they did form it in 2011, and they put about 77 different measurements together, and that was just to give a guideline. Because um, right now when people are doing reporting, they set their own measurements um, so they're not a specific, you know, across the board. They figure out what they're going to talk about, and then they um, give the, the data to match that versus, you know, having a set metric they have to achieve. Um, then, interestingly, NASDAQ, um, because it is so popular, took the, um, what they've done, and they've actually put out a guide. They've been working with many, many companies to do that, where they've gotten it down to 30 measurements Um, but you know, again, trying to help companies because they see that this is coming trend and more and more people are going to do it and they don't have a good feel for how do I do it? So these are best practices documents. So you've got a couple of different, um, bodies that are doing that right now.
0: Well, and you mentioned, um, that it feels like, you know, there's more and more companies, more and more interest in an ESG report, which I mean, we can talk a little bit about It, it. Those at one point were called, um, Responsibility reporting and sustainability reporting, and it seems like ESG is the the current iteration of nomenclature. But it's it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. Are, is, are there differences?
1: No, I think it's the same thing. I mean, th- I think it's just evolved over time. Yeah. Um, and it seems like that those three areas are where everyone's focused. You yeah. know, so it's just. In, in other words, it's just a natural evolution, and it's a little bit clearer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in social, you could have things about your workforce. You know, um, how many female employees do you have? Uh, that could be under social. You could also have what we're doing out in the community. That might be under social. Um, so it just depends. Yeah. I mean, uh, whatever is best for your company yeah. I think. So,
0: why do we think that there is um, or we're, we are seeing maybe a, a, um, a spike in interest or an increased interest in
3: in providing these ESG reports? I mean, if you're following the current um, political environment, um, that's a big teller in why these are becoming more and more important. I think um, the worker, you know, the employee, the shareholder the customer and consumer are becoming more and more socially aware um, and they want to work with brands that align with as as much as they can. They want to work with brands that align with the things they believe in Um, right or wrong, good or bad, you know, all those things. It's just becoming, I think it's also, it's easier to become more aware about the organizations you work with than today, more and more shared, more and more information's out there. And so you know, some sort of standard, which these will eventually standardize, um, you know, will, will come about to make sure that companies are acting responsible as well as performing in a responsible manner um, for their shareholders.
2: Yeah, and interestingly, when you come to shareholders, when people are starting to assess risk when they invest in a company, um, when you start looking at these reports it gives them uh, how they're proactively solving problems. Like if I'm an oil company, am I, you know, for oil spills and things like that, what am I doing to anticipate those problems? So when they're looking far out at their investment risk, they're looking at people who are responsible and looking for the future, and they're um, not going to run into some of these major mm-hmm. events that would cause uh, cause problems going forward. I would also say that
1: social media and kind of the public movements that you see out there, whether it's the Me Too movement or, you know, it's a backlash on an oil company that's had, you know, a break in their pipeline or something like that. Um, I mean, I think all of this type of sustainability reporting, ESG reporting, is critical to show that in good faith. I mean, we're trying to do the right thing here. And, and it gives you, I don't want to say mileage because that's the wrong way to word it, but it gives you a little bit of credibility so that, God forbid, something were to happen down the road. You can say, look, you know, we're trying our best. Obviously, we've got an issue here. We're going to correct this issue, but we're making every effort to measure and, and fully evolve, you know, into the 21st century along with the rest of the world. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah. yeah, and I think we just had, you know, the conversation about the internet of things and data security. I mean, I think part of being socially responsible responsible for your customers is data. And so where do you report that, you know, if you're a public company back to, you know, Leslie talking about, you know, being able to report on things that could impact your operations and then monetarily impact your return to shareholders. Um, you know, if if you have a data breach, how does that affect trust? How does that affect brand value? How does that attra- affect um, somebody buying your product or trusting you enough with their data or information? Um, those are all things that I think companies are going to need to report on in a more orderly manner um, beyond just the footnote in the financials to say they had a write-down because the you know government sued them for some sort of adjustment in their um, – <laughs> some sort of – Mistake in their data yeah. housing. And so I think those are all things that, you know, there, there is a trend to report these things, but, you know, at the end of the day, how does it impact the bottom line and how does it impact the perception of the brand, which will then impact the bottom line? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what you're starting to see as people, you know, a, a board member asking a question, a, a shareholder holding an organization accountable to a certain social standard, Um, And then those things becoming movements that are then becoming big enough to where all companies need to report how they're approaching it. And I do think you're going to see, hopefully, you'll see some level heads because it can't all happen today. And it has been happening over time. People have become more responsible environment. These companies that are taking a black eye on a lot of these things are working very hard um, to make it better. You know, but it's not going to happen tomorrow. Right.
1: Um,
3: But as long as they're reporting it, recording it, I think, you know, Leanne said, if it's written down, we can do something about it. Um, As long as they're reporting it, recording it, there's something that they can work toward. And I think a shareholder and and most well-meaning people in the universe are going to cut them some slack while they're working toward it. And if Mm -hmm. every year they're reporting on them moving forward or not, but they're working on it, Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to help the brands as they move forward.
0: So we were kind of touching on it here, but I I, did, I do. Next thing I want to talk about is, um, is what are the benefits of ESG reporting for a brand? So, like we talked about, you know, getting a little bit of mileage and, and, and building up maybe that goodwill um, in, in the case that something does go wrong. But one of the things, um, one of the things that I thought it was interesting when we were in preparation for the episode um, was that a lot of times, you know, these ESG reports give brands the opportunity to think about these things when in, a, in a framework that maybe they hadn't before. So can we talk a, a little bit about, you know, that as a, as a, as a benefit, um, a, and also are there other benefits that maybe be beyond the surface
2: level? Um, well, when you talk about, like, how it impacts the brand, we just did um, a recently a sustainability report for um, a major drilling company. And one of the things that we learned through the fact that they are a performance brand, and it took you know took them a while, let's get that defined. And then as they began to get into their sustainability, they realized they were very intentional about that, and they were able to um, report on it from a performance standpoint. Everything went to that. But it backed into showing that we are a thoughtful, intentional brand and company. We don't just say we are a performance brand. That we have it helps round out the story mm-hmm. of what their brand is yeah
1: and we had one company by counterpoint that really kind of discovered or or uncovered their brand when they were working on their esg report because it really made them think wait a minute How does, you know, what story do we tell? What is our quote-unquote theme, if you will, to this? And what do we want to talk about in terms of how it relates to our mission, our vision values, you know, our positioning statement? Um, And is our positioning statement that solid? Maybe we need to go back and look at that. Maybe we've evolved over time and that needs to evolve with us. So sometimes, you know, it happens either way you know, the brand influences this report or this report, just like anything else, any other project that we've done in the past, whether we're doing a website or doing a video or what have you, it makes them stop and think. And we're always going, okay, why is this important? Let's ask why this means something or the purpose of this page is this. And so sometimes those are really hard questions and you have to stop and pause. And it may take a while to figure it out and have internal meetings and work with us to uncover those things. But it ultimately you get stronger.
3: Well, and I think, I think there's always the, there's, there's the, the penalize phase of any new movement, right? You know, you bad, this good, you in trouble. Um, But if you, If you really look at it, and if an organization is really looking at this the right way, which I think the ones we've engaged with are, and that's a maturity. I don't think they would have looked at it the right way 10 years ago, say. Um, If you're hiring a more diverse workforce, not because you want to show equality, but because it makes it a richer environment to work in, Um, if your products are commoditizing faster and the thing you do isn't, we talked a little bit about this in another podcast earlier too, the thing you do isn't the value part, but the how you do it is more valuable. You know, understanding who I'm putting on a rig, how those people work together, the things we're automating, how they're taken care of, they respect each other, they respect themselves, the way they behave, they're more efficient, we're able to track that and see it, the people in the neighborhood love them because they're good in the communities that they work in. Mm -hmm. When all that stuff starts to work in concert, separate how everybody feels about it and separate, you know, the terms equality or any of that, the business is just better. Yeah. You know, the business should operate better. People are better trained. They're better equipped. They're not getting as much friction from the things around them. The regulatory body isn't beating them down because they operate with respect to the things that they need to be operating with, yeah. Respect maybe to. if
1: you're more sustainable, you've got lower capital. You know, yep. or I mean, you can it, work more efficiently. Yeah, and I think ultimately, it makes a a better company, a better human. You know, you know, Chris. <laughs> I have a 14 year old child, <laughs> and so I think of Shout things. Shout out, live. Hey, <laughs> Liv. um, And so I always contemplate things in the mindset of a teenager, right? And I'm trying to establish a well-rounded teenager. So, I want her to have balance. So, whether that's academic efforts or, you know, extracurricular efforts or social efforts. I want her to volunteer and be part of the community. I want her to experience some form of, you know, spiritualism, going to church, whatever. So, I want to create that balance so that she can draw on those resources later in life. Right. And so I think the same is true for a company when you're trying to raise a better company or raise a better kid. You want to have that balance. So you want to be cognizant of what you're doing and the time, you know, that you allocate for that, so to speak. So and in this instance, maybe it's not time, maybe it's effort. But I think that If you look at all of these things and you measure all of these things, you can ultimately output a better company, a better workforce, a happier workforce, a more cost-effective company, you know? Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: and I think one of the things you touched on, you said the word measurement. You know, I I think about that which is measured gets done, right? Right. So
1: I think that's Pearson's Law, isn't it, (laughs) or something like that? I can't remember.
0: These, these, These companies, these brands that are undertaking ESG reports, um... The the, I guess the the intrinsic benefit of it is that you're allowed to then measure yourself against these values that you put forth. So if you say that I want to be a more diverse company, or I want to I want to contribute less to uh, less emissions or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be, if you see year after year you're staying the exact same, yeah, then. Not only is the public able to hold you to the fire, hold you hold your feet to the fire, then yeah. you can you can then see that and hold your own feet to the fire.
2: Yeah, because you know we were um, when we were working on the, with the sustainability report. One of the things that they were looking at was diversity in the workforce, and um, after they started rounding up the information, they were shocked, and they had to report on it. But you know the gender <laughs> equality was abysmal. And so they looked at that and they had to go ahead and say, you know, we got this information, we are going to report on it. But then the question became very quickly, how are we going to change this and how are we intentionally going to make sure that next year's report or the report after that is going to be better? Um, so it became a standard and a, and a conversation, an elevated conversation and intentional, but they hadn't really been paying attention to it before until they saw the big picture. So they put a baseline, and then that gives them help to grow. Yeah, yeah.
0: In that case, it's it is a it is literally a tool to help you to help you make sure you stay true to your brand, right? right. Yeah, it's it's again, it's holding your feet to the fire of your brand. If your brand promise is diversity or equality or whatever it may be, and these numbers show up. And it's not it's telling a different story, then right. you're you're not
3: hitting the mark with your brand, right? Right. Well yeah. and I think if you don't the other side of this, the converse in this, if if you don't believe this is important to your brand, nor or if it isn't. I mean, in some cases, this widget needs to be made by robots and I need five people to operate my factory floor. Well, going on and on about all the social good you do and all that kind of stuff might be the wrong Approach, yeah. you know, because diversity might be five different people doing, you know, one job pressing a button. See, so I think, I think companies are going to have to be really honest with themselves. And to your point, as they're being honest with themselves, if they see that this matters to the success of their organization, then they need to put a number together and achieve it. Mm-hmm. But they're also going to have to be pretty bold about what doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, because it's it that. If you're talking about a drilling company, you know, being way too effusive about how environmentally conscious you are might be contrary to your brand because you are using the earth's resources to the benefit of humans um, and for monetary benefit. Um, but if you do it safely and reliably and whatever, so you can't really say that you're saving the environment by doing what you're doing, but you can say that you are doing it as safely and as responsibly as you can. You have to balance the story um, so that it is true to your brand and to what you do. And I think that that is going to be a challenge. I think for a lot of when we as marketers and branders, you know, somebody's always going to come in and say, we're all about equality. And then if there's not a path to that, right, or if it, And when I say that, it's not that you don't care personally about equality, but if it's not something that your business can live up to uh, because of the type of business it is, Mm -hmm. you have to be real about that and honest about it. And that's going to be a challenge as some of these things standardized.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you don't want to have a box to check the box. Right. You want to have the box to be authentic because you believe in it, you Mm -hmm. know, and this is a value, this is a principle. And I do want to be able to lay my head down at night and sleep well, you know, Mm -hmm. as a company, as a president, as an employee of that company.
0: Are there any scenarios where we would dissuade someone from, or a company from... um, from doing an ESG report, if they decided if they came to us and said, "Hey, we, we think it's right for us. Let's let's go do it," would we say no? Nope.
1: There's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, the obvious is you really have to believe in it, and and you need to have buy-in. You need to have support within your organization to really want to do that. Secondly, you need to be able to measure things. If you don't have any data to start, mm-hmm. then spend a year gathering data. Actually, you know, think about it. Think what you want to report on go out and get it, come back and say, okay, I'm ready, you know, we can certainly have that conversation at any point in time, but do your homework first to know kind of, you know, well, these are our principles and we want to exhibit these principles through these measured pieces, you know, I think you can start there. But ultimately, you know, if the leadership doesn't believe in it or thinks that, Oh I want to just check that box so I can say I checked that box. That's not the right thing to do and I don't know. I well, mean
2: sustainability reports become non-sustainable themselves. Yeah, <laughs> so I got yeah. one, but then if I'm not committed to it, I come back next year and I'm like what am I going to say now? Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. That's true. So um, th- so th- obviously there's situations where, you know, someone comes to us and they say we want to do this and so you said you said the first step is to think about what you want to present, uh, what you want to report on. Mm -hmm. Um, I isn't part of that is also, I mean, or I guess how you would get to that would be looking at your brand values, right? I mean, how do you, how is that first step kind of carried out?
3: Hmm. I I think, I I think there are probably enough out there that a standard template applies, you know, ESG, Mm -hmm. right? Um, then organizations have to define how deep they want to go across those different things you know do they want to use the um, uh, GRI e and, or e yeah. yeah, the UN sustainability, sustainability a bunch development of goals. existing
1: organizations yeah. out there that already have guidelines and principles i mean the eu i think has A lot of so many different things that that you need. Yeah, the the UN has 2020 goals. Um, There's the Global Responsibility Initiative. I'm going to butcher that, but the GRI um, data that you can they have an index I think that you can follow. And there are a lot of different clients that use a lot of different things.
3: Yeah, and the good thing now, I think the benefit now, not for those that are afraid of working with a blank canvas, but you know, you can you can pretty much write it the way you want to write it, structure it the way you want to structure it, and you pretty much can report what you want to report on. Um, but to Leslie and Leanne's point, once you start reporting on it, you either need to at some point pull out and say we don't have enough data, or we're not committed to this, or right. you know you keep doing it. And and I think organizations like some of the ones we've worked <laughs> with have to be very careful you can't throw the kitchen sink at it at the beginning either um, because you don't have enough information and and an organization Mm -hmm. like the UN that gives a 2020 goal, that's around the corner. And if you look at those goals, why they're BHAGs, you know, they're not sustainable, you know, and I think people are just getting their at this point, right? So Mm -hmm. they're just getting their minds around how long it's really going to take to fix some of these organizations or move them in the right way in some of these areas And they're starting to understand, people are just understanding how it impacts the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Because I do think some of the nods that in annual reports and in corporate responsibility sections on websites that people have put up there, I think a lot of companies have been just kind of throwing stuff out there. Hey, look at the cool stuff we do. Hey, look at the, but they're starting to understand the benefit, not just to their company, but to the communities they work in, Mm -hmm. and then to the bottom line with, you know, people being more loyal and communities being more willing to work Mm -hmm. with them and more, more educated people in the communities they're working with in so that they can have a better workforce. I mean, they're starting to understand how that's tied together. Um, and I think that these will become richer documents and, and pieces as, you know, they start to understand how it really impacts their performance, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of an awakening that's happening right now.
0: Yeah. Do you think that in the next, let's say, 10 years, this will be um, ESG reports will be required? Will they be or at the very least expected from the general public or is it I mean, do you, is there going to eventually be legislation? I think.
1: Well, uh, not to interrupt it, you, no, it's okay. um, but. In the EU, I think that if you are a public company and you have a certain revenue, or you're in the top, you know, 500 or however many employees, they, I mean, they have different qualifiers, right? But you're required to report on it. I think eventually that will come uh, to Here's the stateside. U.S. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, but I, I think that you're doing. there's some things you might be surprised that you're already reporting. Um, for government regulations that you don't even know that you could leverage for uh, a sustainability and ESG report, you know, Um, whether it's workforce or safety incidents or, you know, wastewater management Mm -hmm. that you need to report on for the EPA or whatever. I think that there are a lot of things out there that you could could already harvest what you have. You may have some low-hanging fruit that you don't know that you have that you could Use for an ESG report?
2: I do think, in answer to your question, I think it'll become more standard practice, and people, it's just going to be a given. You know, that as an investor, when I'm looking, I go look for that as well as the financial mm-hmm. um, report. And it's it's just like we were laughing about this the other day that, you know, when websites first came out, companies were like, am I going to really do a website? I mean, what's the need? Is this is going to last or whatever? And then as more and more people got it, then it became standard, right? I mean, that's a little more pervasive than sustainability reports. But it's the same thing that once a trend happens and people realize this is a valuable thing to rate a company by, and to to bring forth. People are just going to start expecting that. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, would we say? Is it fair to say that uh, ESG reports uh, can are valuable to every brand?
1: Ooh, I don't like
3: <laughs> obsolescence. <laughs> this, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't like. I think there. I think that. An organization paying attention strategically, not just because they like it or they feel like it's the right thing to do or somebody's angry about it, but an organization paying attention strategically to the things they're doing in the environment, the things they're, do- things they're doing socially, and to the things that they're doing from a governance standpoint, I and mean, again, i.e. data security, um, I think it is imperative. Businesses have gotten so complex when you talk about those different things. Our world's changing. It's gotten smaller. We are a more global. All societies are more global. There's more complexities. And so if you are a a smart executive team, you're thinking about this. That you're reporting on it, that you're measuring it is probably the next best step. That you're reporting on it needs to be very intentional. Do all organizations need to do it? Um, I would say the answer is probably no. Um, that said, regulation can sometimes and this is coming from a more conservative person. Uh, regulation can sometimes drive change that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when you talk about the environment, when you talk about culture, when you talk about governance, you know, all of those things need to have a steady hand on them. And as an organization, you know, yeah, I should probably have to report on what we're trying to do. But the standards are so different for so many different companies um, that it would make it really hard to mandate it unless you are a public company mm-hmm. or unless you are a certain type. That reporting, to, to Leanne's point, the reporting's already happening. It's just a place where it's all pulled together. Uh, but again, if your organization doesn't rely on it or doesn't believe in it, it's going to be really hard for you to to stand up to that, which would then shine a light on if you're not yeah. doing the right things. Yeah. yeah. So, Lab, real quick, do you
0: think or are there, what are the differences between a um, a digital version of a report or should there be a difference between the digital version of a report or maybe like a print version? I mean, how is there any considerations whenever we're talking about, you know, I mean, I think
1: that it would depend on your target audience and your personas and who you're aiming for. Um, You know, typically what we've seen is that we'll have the full report digitally online, and then we'll also have sort of a high-level overview. So maybe if you've got, you know, 50, 60 working HTML pages, you may have a 12-page print brochure that highlights gives you some high-level overview of each section. Yeah. Um, but that said, I mean, there are others where I've seen they make a full report and print it, and they have it, you know, at every shareholder meeting available. So it just depends. I think, you know, it's who, who do you want to communicate this to? Mm-hmm. Certainly you need to have it online. Um, and nowadays i mean we can make data dynamic so if you have a change in data uh, and you need to go and update it you don't have to open up an illustrator file you can just update it on your google spreadsheet and it you know magically populates on your site so that's a nice thing (laughs) well
3: and that i think speaks to how um what's the right organic this information can be i mean maybe the days of maybe the days of uh, the once-a-year report, and so maybe the printed piece is a summary that this is where we were at this point. But but day-to-day, month to, to Leanne's point, day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year, quarter-to-quarter, year-to-year, that data can update real time. And so why not have that type of reporting um, if your organization can sustain it um, to where people can see the progress, they can see a chart over time. They can see whatever. They can see changes real time. I mean that I would have would assume would affect the brand perception. Wow, they are moving forward on this mm-hmm. um, real time mm-hmm. rather than waiting yeah. a year or two, you know, to get the data. So it's it, easier it to stay
1: current. Right. You yeah. know. Yeah. And plus, I mean, you also think about I don't know just from a social standpoint. I keep going back to social media. But I've seen cases where there are 5,000, you know, employees in a company, but they have 55,000 Instagram followers. And a lot of their Instagram (laughs) feed is filled with sustainability with ESG type material. It's like, you know, this, you know, our folks in Galveston did this. Our folks in Phoenix did this. And, you know, it's, that's great to see. And so you've got that content and it's, and it's real, authentic content. Why right. not leverage it? Why yeah. not Why not document it and find a home for it?
0: So not only is it is it good for the greater good, but it's also good for business, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, guys, uh, I think we we about covered it. I, I want to thank you guys for taking the time out today. This was really informative, really helpful. Uh, everybody who's tuned in, I hope you guys found it to be the same. So, uh, thanks, guys, and we'll catch you next time. That wraps up another episode of Solving for Bee. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully we've helped shed some light on the importance of sustainability reporting for your brand. If you like the show, leave us a review or subscribe. If you want more branding insights or are interested in previous episodes, check out our website at brandextract.com. Thanks again for listening to Solving for Bee with Brand Extract.